How is it going? Welcome to another installment of This Week in Liberpods. I'm your host, Nikki P, here with another five shots of Libertarian Podcast Gold. So if you're a libertarian or anarchist, stick around and spend the next half hour with me as we look at five of the finest podcasts by and for libertarians and anarchists. This week's first clip is from the Foreign Policy Focus podcast hosted by Kyle Anzalone over at the Libertarian Institute and Antiwar.com. If I got to pick the best foreign policy podcast out there, without a doubt, this is it. So let's have a listen. Who looked at this just in, in terms of like what politics are as soon as the impeachment articles were announced that almost every single uh, Democrat in the House would vote for the articles of impeachment. Almost every single Republican would vote against it. And then in the Senate, even fewer of each party would over. And, and that's what happened. Um, you know, the Senate was by far more down party lines than the House vote. In total, one uh, Republican you know, kind of voted the way uh, or against his party. Uh, far more Democrats in the House did, none in the Senate. Um, on the two articles of impeachment that the House sent to the Senate, Mitt Romney joined the Democrats in voting for uh, abuse of power and did not join the Democrats, so straight party lines on the obstructing Congress uh, chart. So I'm not sure what the, the point of this whole thing was from the Democrats' stand. Um, I think Joe Biden comes out of this thing working, looking worse than Donald Trump. So it, I, I don't know. It, it's hard really for me to figure out why the Democrats sunk so much time into this, um, especially when there's just so many other issues I think that their voters care uh, about other than you know that whatever is happening with Trump's Ukraine policy, um, my guess is that most people aren't really informed on the Ukraine policy. Uh, what happened uh, under Obama with Ukraine, and, and so politically, I think it's a mistake. Uh, I think the bigger you know problem here, though, is the case that the Democrats ended up making. So as I point out in the show in the past, the de- the case the Democrats were making with Ukraine Gate was very weak, and I'm not going to replay that all again. But you know, just the kind of questionable testimony of Sondland and then for the most part the rest of it just being political analysis there there just wasn't gonna be enough there to put Trump from office and so to drum up a case worthy of removing Trump's from Trump from office the Democrats merged Ukraine gate with Russia gate it may be more accurate to say that Russia gate just kind of morphed into Ukraine gate but either way uh, the narrative of Ukraine Gate became more and more about how Donald Trump was either controlled or manipulated and duped by the Russians and therefore should not be president of the United States. This comes out very clearly in the case made by Representative Adam Schiff as he's leading the charge against Donald Trump, uh, trying to make the case to impeach him, claiming that we need to fight Russia over there so we don't have to fight them over here. Uh, this is alleging that Russia is a expansionist power, which is very questionable, and that it has the capability to span all the way through uh, Western Europe and, and then attack uh, the U.S. from across the Atlantic, which is absolutely absurd. And then he made statements uh, about Donald Trump being a puppet of Vladimir Putin, suggesting he could trade away Alaska that Donald Trump could actually sell Alaska to the Russians in exchange for help in the 2020 election. Uh, of course, this is absolutely made up in nonsense, but you know this is the kind of rhetoric that you were getting out of the Democrats. Uh, and, and it just wasn't Adam Schiff. There's several other people throughout, but you know, his statements are the recent, uh, probably by the biggest name. And, and so you know, we see the Democrats end up building their case around this and the abuse of power thing. Again, it's just there's not enough there. 
is not a big enough deal to actually remove uh, Trump from office for. And so they tried to make it about this bigger Russia thing. And the unfortunate thing is that we should actually be opposing Donald Trump's Ukraine policy. And that not that it's, I guess, great if Donald Trump is going around the world trying to blackmail leaders to investigate Democrats in exchange for withholding military aid. But in many cases, the military aid shouldn't be there in the first case. And this is uh, definitely one of those cases. As, uh, you know, Obama, even though he backed a coup in Ukraine and then backed the government after the Civil War started, he always refused to uh, not provide lethal military aid to Ukraine. Uh, I'm sure there were several reasons for this, but uh, essential one being that there are some Nazi elements within the Ukrainian military, the Azov Battalion and others. And so supporting that military meant supporting Nazi. You would think that that would be a hell of a case for the Democrats to be making right now. I mean, talk about scoring political points after, you know, the, the things that have been alleged against Donald Trump and uh, certainly some of the, the statements he made that don't always help his cause uh, to say that Donald Trump is arming Nazi Ukraine and show how uh, the Azov Battalion is part of the Ukrainian military and the U.S. has started to provide Javelin Ukraine. Uh, strategically as well, this makes absolutely no sense. Russia sh shares an extremely long border with Ukraine and has a lot of support among the Ukrainian population as a lot of them are ethnically Russian. And these are just kind of consequences left over from the fall of the Soviet Union, where there's uh, a lot of people who are ethnic Russian in different areas. And the Ukrainian uh, government that was backed by the United States targeted the, the Russian population. All right. So once again, that was Foreign Policy Focus with Mr. Kyle Anzalo. Our next clip today comes from the Thank You for Your Service podcast with Gary and Thaddeus over at the Make Liberty Great Again podcast network. This is another one of those tech podcasts. So if you don't get everything, we're in the same boat. But if you do like technology, this one may be for you. Let's check it out. This was something that could be done, should be done. Um, it's all, always a good practice. Um, but yeah, that, yeah. Uh, go back to that episode. I don't even remember what episode that was. Um, it was a few back. It was a, quite a few back. Other news coming from CES this year, Uber and Hyundai on their, you know, updating and showing an actual full-size concept uh, mock-up of their flying taxi that Google and Hyundai yes. want to start deploying yes. in 2023. It's about <laughs> time. I want my damn flying cars. And not my yeah. I want a flying car, not 160 characters. God dang it! Jeez. <laughs> Come on, man. The Jetsons had it. We can have it. So the flying car market is starting to get pretty lively, according to this uh, TechRadar article. Last year, Boeing began test flights to test the safety of the Boeing Nex, an electric aircraft with passenger pods designed to travel up to 50 miles. I guess Bell Helicopter unveiled one called the Bell Nexus. So this, this might be a thing, but, you know, a couple years ago, autonomous cars are going to be a thing. Here's hoping yeah. that we keep pushing this forward because... I mean, you live in Southern California, and you've complained about your your commute, and you're going to you're going to move to like taking a you know riding a bike or an electric yeah you know, yeah you bought an electric bike. Um, I worry for your safety on the streets, but you know if it's gonna yeah. if it's uh, gonna get you if it's gonna get you to work in about the same reasonable amount of time, or at least a much more reasonable time. I mean, why whip around a heavy vehicle? Um, right. 
And so, yeah, so that was pretty cool. Um, again, there's no demonstrations <laughs> of, yeah. the, of the flying taxis. Maybe next year CES they'll actually do that. Um, also, I guess Samsung w- was, you know, giving us hints about the their their uh, new S X whatever I think S what do you S ten and Note ten I guess. Um, uh, this is since I think it was an article about the S ten Lite and Note ten Lite. Um, this is going to have like I guess an amazing screen. It's going to be one of these these handheld devices that are going to have these insane refresh rates. I am curious to see how that manifests itself on a mobile device and also battery. And um, yeah, I don't, I can't think of anything else. I mean, Samsung said, oh, a, a new bezel free OLED 8K television. Um, you're rich, Gary, so that might be something you buy next hey, year. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> you're in a 1%. I, I don't know about that. But I'm in the 5%. I'm looking for more for the, I'm looking more for the, uh, for the LG than the uh, Samsung because I don't got, I don't got Samsung money like you. I got LG money, maybe with <laughs> the roll-up screen. Um, <laughs> and but, I, I, I did see Samsung has a a new uh, Galaxy Chromebook. Is that the foldable one? That. It's well, I don't know if it's no, it's Does not because it, there's a Galaxy like, Book Flex that they came out with. And the, the, no, now no, I did no, see no, the Galaxy is, Chromebook, but that thing's a grand, isn't it? It's a grand. <laughs> Yeah. For 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 Chrome? No, nah, man, for give me Windows. Chromebook. Give me Windows 10, man. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean if it, you know, I'm not going to spend a $1,000 on a system I can't develop on, right? And I know we live in the we were praising um Visual Studio Code, you know, online a couple days ago or a couple few episodes back, but I'm not quite ready to do that yet. Um <laughs> I and so I I still have this this dream that I will eventually write some code on my desk on my well now laptop. I don't I don't think anyone has desktops anymore, hardly. I need to buy one, but I mean yeah, but dude, a thousand dollars. For a Chromebook. <laughs> right, I don't know, Chromebook? man. I don't know. Yeah, I don't I don't know what the, the statement is there, but they they came out with one. So I, I mean it's it's a lot of power under the hood, right? But am I gonna be yeah. able to record my podcast? Am I gonna be able to transcode audio? Well, am I, gonna I, be... I mean it's let's see, it's 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 Chromebook Linux, of course. Um so I have to hack it. three pounds. You you would. Um 16 gigs of RAM, one terabyte SSD. Yes. No, that is that thing's a beast. 4K even if it was a laptop. I think it'd be a beast so, as a laptop. Yeah, no kidding, right? <laughs> I mean, I would actually if I if for that amount of money, if it were a conventional laptop, I would I would strongly consider it. I would absolutely consider it. Um yeah. I think uh, there's an AM, there's a, there's a AMD short, uh, what a smart shit. All right. So that was the thank you for your service podcast. Coming up next, we have the morning drive with David over at Make Liberty Great Again as well. This is a pretty eclectic show. But if you like to hear a good Southern rant, well, this is the one for you. Let's dig in. Yeah. I think I've called it anything but a cult for the last two years. It's mega cult. <laughs> I just, I, I can't bring myself to call it. Like anything else, it's just the Trump camp. It's no cult. Well, it's like, uh, oh, what's her name? Uh, shit, Monica Perez. (laughs) She she said something about, um, 
the you know because you got the Trump derangement syndrome, and she said something about the Trump worshiping derangement syndrome. It's like just the opposite. The the people that can't stand him and everything he does is awful. You got to some people that just worship the ground he walks on. Oh my gosh! And I'm like, dude, you don't know. No, 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 no. That's why I stay off of my normal page most of the time. I, I just I, I can't. I start scrolling through and I I see stuff, and especially people that were bitching about the government not just five years ago are praising it now because their guy's in charge. And then mm-hmm. ones that were praising the government and all this government spending, you know, five years ago are condemning it now. And I'm like, y'all, y'all just really don't understand. <laughs> it's quite, it's quite interesting watching the migration of the, uh, the cultist types, like the cult of personality, uh, political followers. So you get people who really easily move from left to right to whatever, like various extreme socialist, communist, hardcore Republican nationalist, and um, they're usually just looking for, like, a strong figure. And so you see people who, like, once were really diehard uh, Ron Paul types who then might have shifted to, like, Bernie, who then might have shifted to Trump, who are now looking at Yang. And it's like, whoa, you, got, you guys just like being the, like, like hipster political followers, you know? Like, well, this guy's the underdog and he's my guy. Yeah. Like, where are your principles? Like, no, 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 I just, like... It's like they just enjoy the the campaign process, like just being the actually type, you know? It's like they're ban- <laughs> jumping on bandwagons. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Emp was on about this on Twitter the other day. Like, uh, you, you mentioned, I, I forget who, like uh, maybe Ron Paulians who went to Yang or something like that. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I just... I just wonder if that ever stops, if they ever grow out of it, or if it's just like a certain tiny sector of the political, like people who are into politics but don't have like firm principles, kind of centrist types, uh, seeing them out in the wild where it's like, well, I was a Ron Paulian, now I'm Yang. It's like, whoa. <laughs> well, I mean, it's like, well, I mean, I did kind of like whenever, you know, I, I, I Ron Paul is the shit in my opinion. I, I mm-hmm. wish he would run. To be honest with you, I would I would vote for him. That'd be somebody I'd vote for. Seriously, vote for. I mean, I think this time I'm voting for Vermin. But <laughs> just because he's he's making a joke out of the whole process, which is great. Right, rightfully mm-hmm. so. But uh, you know, and then when Trump started running, I was like, I was. It's kind of like in 08 when I supported Obama because of the hope and change bullshit, and then. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And then I supported, I mean, I didn't vote for him because I didn't think he was the right man for the job, which now I've noticed that no man is the right man for the job. Mm-hmm. But uh, it's got to be a woman. No, but um, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> there you go. Hashtag based. <laughs> Hashtag. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh. Hashtag stunning and brave. But uh, <laughs> it's like, hashtag male feminist. Um, <laughs> but yeah it's like you know and then when trump came along i was like you know i supported trump i didn't vote for him but i supported him because he was like not the establishment politician and i didn't really that's i didn't fall for it completely because i didn't vote for him but i was like you know i kind of want to see trump win because i want to see how pissed off he can make people and <laughs> that has delivered 
anyway. <laughs> go go off Phil and then some. <laughs> but I gotta think a lot of um a lot of podcasters and a lot of people in the little MLGA group that I'm in, they really not really talking to me, but talking to each other, I've learned a lot. And it's like I get to, you know, and, and then also just some introspection. Like you said, trying to stick to principles. So once again, that was the morning drive with David. That is actually an episode where he had a couple guests on. And it was also a long episode. So I just kind of found something that sounded interesting and popped it out there for you. Next up today is the Remzo Martinez experience. Remzo's show has taken a few turns over the years. And I can't honestly tell you what kind of show it is right now. Other than unassailably Remzo. If you like the guy, you're sure to like this. So let's see what he's got. That I love and hate about being in the newsroom, especially being the social media coordinator for the Washington Times. The great thing, the coolest thing is that you are in the lifeblood of history. The things that you witness, the things that you're going to hear, the things that you're going to see are truly one of those opportunities where you can say I was there when historic events were occurring, such as the whole impeachment process. I mean, it's been crazy to watch. So that's been great. The other thing is I've had to be on social media all day working for a major newspaper having to deal with the impeachment. And let me tell you, nobody knows anything. And yeah, I'm talking to people on freaking Twitter. Like most people can't write properly. Most people can't form cohesive thoughts. Most everything turns into at least, you know, seven degrees of your Hitler. Um, I mean, it's it's stressful. I mean, it's it's one of those things where it's like sometimes I really, really hate technology. I think one of my favorite films, well, it wasn't always my favorite film, but I've kind of grown into it over the last couple of years was Escape from L.A. Because at the end of the film, what does... Uh, Kurt Russell do. He just shuts off all electricity. And as he's walking away from like the supercomputer that he destroyed that shut off all the power to all the electronics on the eastern or I'm sorry, on like the west coast, for example, he goes over and lights a match and he says, Look, something's still working. He walks away like a badass. Sometimes I wish I could kind of do that, you know, like reset society in that way and force people to actually like make eye contact with each other. And if you're gonna call me out on social media, at least you do it to my face where I could throw something at you. Cause I'm not a punk. But uh, you know, this has been something for a while that I've always kind of dealt with. Um, you know, how do, how do I unplug? I mean, study after study, which I'm not going to cite because I just pulled this up right now. I'm not really, I didn't really plan on talking about this, but study after study shows that when we think about the amount of time that we spend looking in front of a screen, when we think about how much time we spend online, it's really troubling. And like, um, you know, I know I have a friend who's a therapist and, Without getting into too much detail, she told me that, you know, a lot of millennials specifically, especially like boomers, for example, boomers love Facebook in case you haven't been on Facebook for the last like five, six years. But um, I mean, social media is causing people a lot of stress. I mean, I remember when like MySpace was a thing and people were killing themselves because of cyberbullying on MySpace. Now, like everyone's a cyberbully or you're like me and you've just learned to love sharing cat videos and stuff like that. But um, about a year ago, 
when I think I had just published uh, Stay Away from Libertarians, book number one. Um, I'm trying to you know pick myself back up online and things like that, make myself relevant, go on the podcast circuit, try and do a, a YouTube show every once in a while. So that way I didn't actually have to create anything myself. I could just bum off my friends who do stuff. Um, at that point, I just finished... I just finished starting up my uh, online copywriting business, but around this time too. So okay, so like to to break it down, I was going through a lot of stress, lots of changes, wasn't very productive, really stressed out. I'd also just finished neck surgery, so I'm feeling physically like shit. I'm on a ton of medication, and I can't sleep. So I'm listening to the Joe Rogan Experience, and he's talking about this thing where basically he goes into a a tank that closes and when he goes in there it's pitch black but it's got several feet of water and about a thousand pounds of freaking epsom salt and he just floats there for an hour and the water is the same temperature as his body so like 98 degrees or something like that um you're floating so you don't have to worry about like drowning or whatever and it's dark so all you all you can basically experience are your own thoughts because with everything going on, you're basically disconnecting from, well, I mean, basically everything. So I'm listening to this, and like, I like Joe Rogan, but sometimes, like, it gets a little bit trippy. But at this point, he's talking about, you know, the, the physical stuff. And I mean, this guy's gone through so many surgeries, so many injuries, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of concussions, stuff like that, as a UFC fighter. So. If he actually believes, and he, he believes in this thing so much, the sensory deprivation tank, also known as a flow tank, he likes it so much. I swear, that is one of the funniest guys I know. Once again, that was the Remzo Martinez experience. Our last clip today is the Unuseful Idiots podcast hosted by Tori Wachtel, or at least that's how I'm pronouncing it. Let's see what we got before you think too hard about it. And everyone in California who doesn't want that, move to Arizona. You know, that that's all I can say. I mean, it's... Or they can vote on it at the state level and, you know, see what... I mean, ideally, it, w- it would be a town-by-town thing. That's, that's the ideal situation is... If your town wants to have public schooling, for for example, you know, everyone in that town could pay property taxes or some kind of voluntary tax that goes to the schools. And then, you know, everyone would be able to go to the schools, you know. So I don't know. There there are many ways to do this. But, again, getting off track. (laughs) So, um, yeah, the next thing that happened. So this happened, I believe, the vote was on Tuesday, and that night was the Iowa caucuses. The Iowa caucus. 
And, you know, I, I forgot it was even going on, honestly. I, I really did not. I knew the Iowa caucuses were coming up, but I sort of lost track of time and, you know. And so I saw, I was actually watching, I was actually searching for videos on YouTube and I saw that a bunch of, there were a bunch of people covering the Iowa caucuses, you know. So I was like, okay, let's, let's see who uh, is winning the Iowa caucus. And so I tuned into... Uh, David Pakman was doing a live stream who, you know, while I don't agree with a lot of what he says, you know, I, I do uh, respect his opinions because he's not one of these uh, progressives that, you know, just... I guess, follow along with the Democratic line, you know, whatever, he he questions a lot of things. And there are a couple of them like that. Jimmy Dore is one of them. Uh, I believe Kyle Kalinske is one of them, who, while you don't agree with a lot of what they say, they do bring an honest opinion from the other side, which I think is important to listen to. It's important to hear the other side or, you know, it's not even really the other side because I'm not right. I'm not on the right. It's just, you know, a different opinion. That's what I'll say. You know, I like to think of myself like, you know, if if you have the right and the left, and they're both at opposite ends of a line, I like to view myself as, like, not even anywhere near that line. <laughs> so, uh, you know, um, but, so, I was watching it, and he was talking about uh, issues, there were issues that the system was down. The uh, voting system, you know, for... Because the way caucuses work is they all, like... It's like a debate. People make their... It's not a debate, but people make their cases for a certain candidate. All right. So that was the Unuseful Idiots once again. And that was clip five, which means we are at the end of our show. Thank you so very much for stopping by. And if you like what you heard, go ahead and hit subscribe. Or even better than that, go and tell five friends. Let's lift all ships and spread the words of freedom while we're at it. If you'd like to get in touch with us or have a podcast you think we need to check out, head over to liverpods.com. And last but not least, go and check out our friends over at libertypodcastranker.com.
This podcast is a proud creation of the Mad Audio Lab. For more information, check out madaudiolab.com. This Week in Liberpods is part of the Liberty Hippie Podcast Network. If you like what we do, be sure to check out Homesteads and Homeschools, Peace Freaks, Cannabis Heals Me, and Free Markets Green Earth. We're living proof that libertarian doesn't mean washed up Republican.